kids are not opening up the Bible on their own. Like it's just, yeah. it, they, they're not reading yeah. it. Well, I think the problem is bigger than that. Welcome to the Disciple Making Youth Ministry Podcast, where we talk about the calling of youth pastors to equip students for the work of making disciples, moving teens from church attenders to disciple makers. Here are your hosts, Joel Friend and Jeremy Collins. Welcome everyone to episode seven of the Disciple Making Youth Ministry podcast. Today we're jumping into a question and a conversation that really was the origin of this entire podcast, and that is the Bible problem. Joel, what do we mean when we say the Bible problem? We mean there's a problem when it comes to the Bible, and uh, we're going to talk about some of those things here today. I think this, you know, we we just prayed about this podcast, and we just want this to be a fruitful, Mm -hmm. challenging conversation. Um, We don't want to claim that we have all things right. We want to humbly come to this conversation, but uh, there's a part of me that feels, eh, I'm going to be careful about that, but there's a part of me that uh, just has a sense that there is a correctness to this and Mm -hmm. that we need to be very careful about because we are in an age of, um, we're in a postmodern world, uh, we're in a subjective, uh, opinionated culture, and too much of that has begun to actually influence the way of which people read Scripture. So all we want to do in this in this uh, uh, this episode is talk about what we think some of the problems are, especially when it comes to the Bible and students, uh, but also think through some what are what are some good solutions to head towards mm-hmm. the towards the right direction. I think you have a scripture to open us. Yeah, and as we jump in today, usually we have a little bit of a structure and an outline. Today is going to be more of a free form kind of just going off of our hearts and our where we've really been thinking and talking about these things. I wanted to start us here in Ephesians chapter 4. We've mentioned Ephesians 4.12 before, but here it gives us an, an outline of what we're talking about and why being tied and tethered to Scripture is so important. Here's, here's what Paul says. And he gave to the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And I think it's so important as we talk about Scripture today and talk about the problems that we might see with the handling of Scripture and the engaging of Scripture that... It's when it's done in a way that is humble, (laughs) and as we come to God's Word and let God's Word interpret God's Word, we're going to find a firm foundation where we're not just tossed around by every idea of culture and every doctrine that comes about. And I think that that is so essential as we're talking about discipling students and how to to love God's Word. Yeah, and I think 
Jeremy, let's just let's just start going in this direction with it. Gosh, I mean, these kids are on Instagram every day, mm-hmm. right? And they are. Mm-hmm. And I said, in, I think one of the very first episodes we had is the download rate that these kids have. They're on TikTok, they're on Instagram, they're in Snapchat. They're they're seeing a world of of content, and there's a narrative that's coming at them. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think one of the we just got done talking about it a couple minutes ago. I mean, there was the TikTok pastor guy who went on there to talk about how. You know, Jesus is a racist because he called the Seraphonician woman a dog and that uh, that Jesus repented of that and saw his error of his ways and then, you know, and then, you know, healed her. And so I think when you're a student, you're seeing that and you're going, is Jesus a racist? And you, there's kind of two things I think can happen is one is they just like, OK, I guess this guy, because he has reverend in his name, who has a qualification. It's like the same thing when people use doctor to, mm-hmm. you know, to put an article out there about something they support. Um, and so we have we given students the equipment to discern between whether or not that is an accurate statement that Jesus is a racist and that he needed to repent because that is a serious indictment against the sinfulness of Jesus. The only reason anyone needs to repent is if they have sin. And so therefore, a humongous doctrine on the salvation of man is the perfection of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and I think if you're a student, you go and you look at that and you see that video, you go, you go, wow, that guy is either He's probably right about this because he has a re- he's got reverend in his name, or or do we? How do we help kids navigate through that? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you've had any of that experience where kids have come to you with stuff they've seen online. Well, and, and I think the challenge is sometimes they might not even come to us with those oh, questions yeah. because they're going to look at that and I think make a conclusion. And even if they think, oh, I don't know if I agree with that, or I'm not sure I believe that they are not necessarily ready to engage and say, and here's why I don't. Mm -hmm. Um, And and we shouldn't shy away from engaging in some of these conversations. I think part of the problem is we're talking about students understanding Scripture and their parents, and not just youth ministry, but the church as a whole with a lack of understanding of uh, how to read the Bible (laughs) and how to approach the Scriptures so that we're not just tossed around as soon as we see something that goes, oh, I don't, I don't know how to counter that, so it must be true. Right, yeah, if you feel, yeah, that feeling of insufficiency. Did I remember those things when I was younger, uh, and I would, hear some, I would hear some sort of teaching, and I would kind of go, you know, I was really into eschatology when I was younger, <laughs> and when you would look through, I mean, I was, I remember reading through Revelation, and, and I was like, oh, dude, the, you know, the seven lampstands, they all, the, you know, in all these things, and I was, not that I, I never really got into the left behind stuff, sure. uh, but that was a, you know, that was a market of the Christian corner at, for a while there, mm-hmm. where people took the book of Revelation, and they you know, branded it as this, like, end times thing, and they made movies out of it, and so on and so forth. I remember being younger and not knowing how to actually walk through that. And, and and here's the other one is too is um when I was younger I got uh I was in my early twenties. Um, you know, I had a lot of conversations with Mormons. Uh who I love. I just love the Mormons. If you, that's a fun fact about me, is they're just a very interesting uh group of individuals to talk to and to hear and understand what it is that they 
they they believe. But then you you find out at some point that the Jesus they claim to believe in is very different than the Jesus that I believe in. Mm-hmm. But then if I start talking to a, a Muslim, the Jesus that they believe in is very different than the Jesus that the Mormon and I believe in. And so I think we're at a place where we kind of go, okay, all three of these cannot be right, can they? Not all three of these can be right. Um, the law of non-contradiction you know, tells us that. And I think too much of what we've been doing in our society today is we've subjectivized, if that's a word, uh, the, the scriptures, and we say, well, it's, a, it's whatever your interpretation is. And, and I think we need to be very careful about that. I think when uh, there are several places in the Bible uh, in Jude specifically, where there were people that were abusing the grace of God, and mm-hmm. Jude had some very strong words to say about these people, and then he showed why they were in error. And then when Paul was in Galatia, and the Jew- Judaizers, yeah. they wanted everybody to, who was, you know, you know, these adult Christians to get circumcised, because they thought that was an addition to the gospel. And then Paul says, no, they're in error, and in, in a very sarcastic way says, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. <laughs> uh, emasculate, sorry, emasculate themselves. And so there is a true north to what the gospel is. There is a correct direction to what the standard of what it is. And if you're familiar with scripture, you will see that there is this pulling back, especially, I mean, think in 1 John, he's he's addressing the Gnostics there because he talks about that which our eyes have seen and our ears have heard and our hands have touched. Right there, he's talking about, uh, he's fighting against this, uh, you know, Gnosticism was all about just what you would know and that the material world doesn't matter. Then he goes on to say, if anybody claims to be without sin, uh, then they are, they are, you know, they are, they are liars and the truth is not in them. See, you see there is a true north to which mm-hmm. we head, and I feel like people are saying it's a spinning compass. And I think that's what our students are learning about Scripture is like, well, it's just my faith, and I can't really tell someone else what there is. So sorry, that was a little bit of a rant. I'm just so fired up about this mm-hmm. because I think it's so important. I, I mean, what have, what have you discovered with your students as they, you know, they're reading Scripture and you're having Bible studies with them? I know you, you've had some interesting things that, that have been thrown your way. Yeah, well, and you spend enough time in one place, you'll, you'll find a lot of interesting things. I, I think it comes down to, to two different types of students sometimes, those that have grown up in the church and those that haven't. Sure. And sometimes I almost wish, there, there's a lot of unlearning that has to happen for students that have grown up in the church sometimes mm-hmm. of, of what they've been told about Bible stories and, and why we read Bible stories and what they are and and so, I mean, take the story of David and Goliath, and, and they put themselves in the place of David, and God's God's going to conquer my giants, and yes. and that was never necessarily actually taught to them that way. Sure, but the way that we teach Bible stories sometimes to our kids, put they just put themselves in that story, and we don't correct that, and when we don't start talking about the Old Testament and the reason for the Old Testament and how it points to Christ and how uh, everything is done in a way and is there to, to help us see this Messiah that's coming, it can be, be very easy. So a lot of the things that we've had to do is realizing that the misconceptions people have brought, oh, I think that's in the Bible. That sounds like it's in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So I believe it. Or even more so, kids will have a belief that I find that they think is biblical, that but is not in the Bible at all. But they just believe, oh, it, it sounds like it should be. And so things along the lines of it can be about sin, it can be about end times, it can pick any topic. And usually there's a blurred line between 
cultural belief and biblical belief, and they don't know the difference. They've only heard people tell it to them. They've not actually read it for themselves. Yeah, and and I think when we when there's so much of that material that's thrown their way, I mean, it tends to be one of those things that you kind of go, well, I mean, this is if this is the controlling cultural narrative, uh, like I I had um, uh, last summer. We had more of a not an apologetic type of uh, of summer, but we we kind of said you know um, we had a series on a variety of questions, mm-hmm. and so uh, one night we had uh, Sophia was teaching. I can't remember. I think she was teaching on other religions, mm-hmm. uh, and we had a student kind of pipe up at the end, and and she was kind of asking about well, what about all those old like we had a Q and A time, and you know what about all those Old Testament stuff on you know the you know. You know the Levitical laws mm-hmm. and all those sorts of things, and then how do I make sense of those in light of the the moral laws about uh, you know homosexuality and bestiality and all those sorts of things? And so it opened up this really good conversation. But when I began to bring particular scriptures to her, not as a means of trying to make her feel small, it's just like okay, well let's let's look at this uh, sure. this idea together. She didn't like that because mm-hmm. it pushes back a little bit. But then I had this other girl who was struggling with this too, and I, I think she senses that she knows what God's word says, but she doesn't want to be someone that's considered um, hateful sure. or not you know, not accepting, you know, and not affirming uh, all those sorts of things. And so there is this tough tension for kids who are living in this culture where they want not to appear a certain way. They don't want to be a, that certain kind of Christian. That they kind of, you know, they, they not that they reject at least this girl. She didn't really reject it. I think she struggles with it and she wants to know the truth. And I think that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But the only way we're going to be able to sift that out is if we go to God's word to see specifically what it says. But I think one of the big problems is we'll address here in a second is that like kids are not opening up the Bible's Bible on their own. Like it's just, yeah. it, they, they're not reading yeah. it. Well, I think the problem is bigger than that. I, I think the problem is that we have a generation who has grown up and ha- was not discipled themselves. And now they have kids and they don't know how to disciple their kids. Yeah. And, and the church got really good um, at putting programs together for kids and for students and didn't necessarily really equip parents for the work of their first calling, which is to disciple their children. Mm. And so we hire children's pastors, we, we hire youth pastors to do this work. And I'm not, I will be the first one to say, I'm not here to do that work for parents. Mm-hmm. But sometimes even the presence of youth ministry has has taken that off the plate for parents. And, and now I'm seeing going back generations that if you haven't been discipled, how do you disciple someone else and and so if if this and and i don't mean to say this in a blaming way in any way shape or form but just to say that this is a deeper issue than just say how do we get the bible in our parents hands also because i think that that's where some of the some of the breakdown is happening and ultimately i think there is a Bible problem, uh, and it's not just in youth ministry. Yeah, I guess is what yeah, I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, that's. I think it's a. I think it's a fair thing to put because I think one of the things that's happened over the years is that people have been content <laughs> to just let the pastor tell them what the Bible says without sure. testing. I mean, that is a invitation in Scripture, right? I think it's either Peter or Paul who says it. I, I, I think it's 
think it's Paul, uh, Peter, uh, where it says like test things against mm-hmm. Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, could be Paul. I don't know. Uh, maybe if I read the Bible, I'd know. <laughs> so, I, I, but I think that's a I think that's a thing that just kind of happens. I mean, you think about you know a, a, a theology such as the prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. I, I I can't begin to tell you if you were to sit down and start with the original message of what Jesus said, then it move on to the into Acts, and then move into Paul, and then move into Hebrews, and then move into James, and then move into Revelation how you could even begin to formulate that that is a viable theology that is accurate and true. And then you go all the way back to the Old Testament and see how Jesus was the fulfillment of everything from the beginning. Yeah. It it doesn't compute with prosperity gospel at all. So but in but if we let these preachers just sit in their pulpits and allow them to say these things without any of us going, well, I don't actually know if that's true. And, and and if you, we need to test these things against Scripture, which once again, what Jude did, what Paul did, what Peter did, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, those people, uh, you know, point us back. That's why uh, that's why Paul says, I think it's in First or Second Timothy uh, four. Uh, is it four three fifteen three fifteen sixteen? I can't remember. You know. Um, you know, Scripture is useful for yeah, correcting, for teaching, teaching, rebuking. And so yeah. there is a standard that we need to head towards. And I think what people are doing is they're just accepting what people are saying. Mm-hmm. And, and and let me just say this to Jeremy. That is true for you and I Amen. as teachers who are bringing this to these students. Uh, you know, every week what we're trying to do is like, you know, show them Scripture. But uh, have any of them been wise enough to say, well, what about this? I mean, we uh, that's what we want. I, I get somewhat nervous that my students don't ask more questions. questions. Yeah. That makes me think they're not reading it. Because I think for me personally, not until I started reading Scripture did I begin to have more questions? Mm-hmm. And we, we actually found that when we read that book, um, How Not to Read the Bible, is yeah. he kept coming back to this idea that atheists say the quickest way to become an atheist is to open your Bible and read it. Yeah. But that didn't happen for me. But No, it didn't happen for me either. But uh, in that same light, I, one of the YouTube channels I very much enjoyed to think about how, how do we decipher and discern what people are saying in the name of God, it's called fighting for the faith. He compares what people say in the name of God to the word of God and walks through a lot of that. And it's long form YouTube. You get your notepad out and, and go, but it's been so helpful to help me think, okay, am I testing what I'm hearing against God's word? Uh, Vody Bakum said it this way, and, and I would echo these words as well. Don't ever take my word for it. Don't believe me. Go read your Bibles and find out if what I'm saying is true. I've paraphrased. Um, but that's where I heard that from. And I would echo that as well is don't take our word for this. Um, and I hope our students don't take my word just because Jeremy said it, it is in the Bible. It's true. But to teach and equip students how to read the Bible Mm -hmm. so that they can discern, because it's not just about what you or I are saying. It's about what they're experiencing. Like you said, on Instagram, TikTok, all of these platforms that are pushing a worldview, Everyone is pushing a worldview, mm-hmm. um, and the question becomes, which one are you adopting? Mm-hmm. And are you adopting it unknowingly, uh, without testing it against Scripture? Then we have a problem. Yeah, and I and I think that's really important for you, you guys like you and I, because I uh, Walt Mueller 
uh, in his podcast, um, uh, Youth Culture Matters, he had uh, Elisa Childers on, mm-hmm. all right? And she made a, an incredibly good point. Uh, I, I think she was just speaking in general, not necessarily about youth workers, but she, you know, I think she kind of slid it in there. And uh, she she made the comment about how youth pastors who are in positions to, to teach should, you know, I've heard uh, I've heard uh, youth pastors say at conferences uh, is like, well, we don't want to get into theology. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want to talk about theology. Listen, if you sit down and share an opinion about God to students, this is what Elisa, Elisa Childress said. Uh, if you share your opinion about God, you are doing theology. The question is whether or not you are doing good theology or bad theology. And I think the the TikTok pastor who says that Jesus is a racist and that he needed to repent is bad theology. And so therefore And that's not based on your preference. That's no. based on the word of God. Yes. Yeah, and I think that you know that's Hebrews 9 right then and there talking about um you know uh, Christ was sinless and once for all presented yep. so we right then and there we this this person has a problem and what's interesting is you know when when we go to call out somebody like that you people go like oh you can't tell them that they're wrong but they're wrong and I and I think like it's it, it, the the point of the gospel is hinged on something of that nature and so mm-hmm. It, it, my fellow youth pastors, let me just tell you, if you're feeling not that confident about, you know, systematic theology, take a class, go to, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, uh, go to a seminary that has a high view of scripture. Like there's online stuff that's free. Dallas Theological mm-hmm. Seminary has online stuff that's free. Read Systematic Theology by Wayne Grudem. I mean, it is so vital for us because we are teaching students a worldview. Um, you know, uh, I remember I remember actually having a a good conversation with Walt Mueller about this once, and I said, "Listen, if we aren't teaching kids theology, they're just going to learn ideology. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to adopt what it is that culture is saying, and so therefore, we need to help them learn to discern between those things. Because if you had someone come up to you and say, "Well, like you know, Jesus was Jesus sinned," and you go. Well, did he or did he not? I mean, does a student truly know mm-hmm. how to navigate through mm-hmm. that? Do youth pastors truly know mm-hmm. how to navigate through that? I think that it, it takes a lot of effort. Uh, you know, I'm preparing for a message for a discipleship retreat. I'll say this and shut up. And, <laughs> you know, I said, you know, I basically say I, I can understand why studying the Bible is hard because it, it, you know, what's easier is easier for you to sit down and let someone else tell you what to believe than it is for you to spend the time mm-hmm. to figure it out uh, on your own. Uh, sort of thing. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of where, you know, I'll, I'll push it back to you here in a second, but yeah, yeah, so I just I just think it's so important for us to understand the basis of good theology and to be able to know that we're responsible for that. I mean, if I'm quoting scripture here, he talks about how, yeah, I think it's James who says that teachers will be judged more strictly. Yeah. So we need to be mindful of what it is that we're teaching. And not just mindful of it, we have to be very cautious and enter teaching with humility. Yeah. Um, and I've said this for a long time, uh, but when I first jumped into youth ministry, uh, I mean, they hired me because I was in my 20s and <laughs> I loved Jesus. Right. Those were my qualifications. I, yeah, I went, I studied the Bible in undergrad. To, to jump into the culture today and to sift through these waters without theological training and background, uh, I would be drowning mm-hmm. without that. 
um, without having conversations and being helped to see where theology meets the practical and how do we help students see this. I mean, these, these are so important because what we see, what do we see is the trend we have often until students leave high school and now they're out swimming in waters by themselves, Mm -hmm. usually not connected to a church of any kind, just being influenced by what's around them. And usually at most universities, it's not just casually not Christian, it's Mm anti-Christian to that worldview. And so you, you walk into those situations without any, preparation or having thought through these things, our, our job as youth pastors is to challenge kids hard enough that they're thinking through these things and that they've come to the realization that scripture is sufficient, is totally sufficient for what they need to answer the problems that they encounter, to answer these issues, these huge world-altering thoughts. Scripture is sufficient it's sufficient for our knowledge of God. It's sufficient for our understanding of Christ. It's sufficient for salvation for us to point us back to Jesus. And if we don't believe that, we, we end up bringing other things to Scripture mm-hmm. to make it sufficient for our 21st century context. But we don't need to do that to bring anything and add anything to God's Word. And, and so walking through those problems with students, I think, is is what we're called to do and equip parents because I, I understand how difficult and challenging it is even for us to mm-hmm. have these conversations with students. And we're thinking about, my brain doesn't turn off right. from thinking about these things. Yeah. And, and for parents, it may not be that way. And so as we're talking about the, the problem of the Bible, it's not just biblical literacy of not knowing the Bible. We have more access to information about the Bible oh than my gosh, yeah. any generation. Yeah. I mean, imagine if the Apostle Paul was walking the earth today and he had at his fingertips the resources that we have. Yeah. I mean, it would be incredible. And and so information isn't always the problem, yeah. but being That's able good. to discern yep. and read and study and know God's word uh, more than just, oh, yeah, I've, I've read some of it. Or even if you've read all of it, did it make it into how you live now? Yeah. Was it just information and you don't have any way to actually engage it? Th- these are some of the problems we're seeing even with students who are in our ministry weekly. Yeah, and I think, oh, goodness, here, oh, another <laughs> tangent's coming. So I think the other problem is, is like we as Westerners tend to individually uh, read ourselves yep. into the text. Yep. If I hear one more sermon uh, based on where Jesus is sleeping in the boat and his disciples are waking him up, trying to wake him up because they're freaking out about the storm. And then Jesus makes a comment about their faith and then they they calm, then Jesus calms the storm. If I hear another sermon that start that starts with, based on that passage, when Jesus is asleep in the boat of your life and you lack faith, you just need to trust in him because he has everything under control. I don't know who needs to hear this today, but that passage has absolutely nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. It is it, That is not what Matthew intended by it, is not what Luke intended by it when they're originally writing to their audience. It's a it's it's designed for certain people. And certain, is the Bible, as we read in Dan Kimball's Bible, or Bible, his book on how not to read the Bible, he says the Bible is written to us but not for us. 
we need to be very careful and we need to teach our students is, is to stop trying to read ourselves mm-hmm. into the text because you know we, you you mentioned it earlier it's like we need to slay the giants in our life no that's a narrative that is a narrative that has a totally different way of being able to approach things and and if we start th- seeing christ there instead of us you know what that story of david and goliath comes to be about god defeating the unkillable the undefeatable god doing something that is impossible for man to do god accomplished it yeah and all of a sudden now as we're headed towards easter it's almost uh easter weekend here good friday tomorrow what has god done God has defeated sin and death, yeah. the thing that is undefeatable, the thing we can't conquer. We're not David. Yeah. We have nothing to do with that. But we get to read that story of David and Goliath and go, wow, this is a foreshadowing of what God is going to do. We see that in the shadow of the cross, that God can do something. I'm not saying we have to apply that to every single narrative in the Old Testament, but when we start talking about and seeing how everything that God has done in human history and written and recorded in the Old Testament has been for the purpose to see Jesus. Yeah, and I, I wanna I wanna make a small caveat. I have not been perfect at this. Right. Absolutely not. No, I, I feel like in my younger years I, I, I definitely when I went to go teach I, I had those things in mind and I feel like right now, you know, now as I'm finally, you know, finally starting things to get get it a little bit more. I think it's such an important thing for us to look at this because the way of which we teach kids like what these Bible stories say teaches them what it is about, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so when we when we try to, you know, put ourselves in the position of David and when we try to put ourselves in the position of Jonah, when we try when we try to do those things, we're trying to make them the heroes and but that's not what's happening within the context of uh, of the text. So, but like when we read, when we read Paul's letter in, in, in Colossians, when he talks to the group there, he says, you guys used to do this, 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 and this, and they're all bad. And it says, now as Christians, you need to do this, 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 and this. Guess what? That's for us, right? Because mm-hmm. that is God, that is God's word to mm-hmm. uh, the people of Christ and specifically there. Now, there is uh, there's another place. Oh gosh, uh, I, I'm just jumping around here. I think it's First Corinthians ten. I could be wrong about that. Where it's the people who are eating meat sacrificed mm-hmm. to idols. Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with us mm-hmm. because it's about that context and that day. And so I think what we need to do is, you know, if we can and if it's helpful and if you can do it, give kids a basic hermeneutic uh, on how to study scripture and to walk through a text and what to look for. I, you know, I think. You know, what we what I we'll get to solutions here in a little bit, or some possible ones, is you know what I try to do is ask kids. You know, here's some questions for you. What's the context? Yep. What's the content? Yep. What what does this mean? So, what is the point of what's going on in this passage? And I think one of the the last question that I do is I am very careful about one word in it. Is like, and I say, what does it mean uh, for me? And I think one one thing that we try to do is we actually we actually try to ask the question, what does it mean to me? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a dangerous question to ask because there's a lot of what is in the Bible that has an intention to a certain person. It cannot mean for them what it does not mean. It cannot mean for us what it did not mean for them. And so that is why it's important for us to understand uh, the process of biblical interpretation 
to properly do that. And I will say this, you can email me, we can have a conversation about this, we can have a, we can talk about it. There is a proper way to interpret scripture. Yeah. There is. And I think we're so caught up uh, in this, you know, well, you come with your preconceived notions. That might be true. Like, I, I, I believe that. But I think when we look at, Jeremy, if I write you a letter and I have a certain intent behind that letter that I'm specifically addressing to you, nobody has the right to tell me that or they can't take the letter themselves and like well i'm going to read myself into this let no that's not how that's designed so i'm on my soapbox about this because <laughs> i'm just so fired up about it because it's so important for we got kids going off to college and they don't know how to defend their faith they don't know how to stand up for scripture when people throw outlandish stuff with them like jesus is a racist because they haven't been properly trained to do that you're right on and and so as we're talking about how can we do this how can we better lead students one to get a desire to read God's word Mm -hmm. but also to desire to do it in a way that is glorifying to God not to ourselves and 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 that's as we move into let's talk of some of these practical things that that either you've done or we think we can do or ideas to help students get a fuller picture of what it means to study God's word and I know we could keep going and there's so much to say but Jeremy, you start, because I'm, I'm just like, I feel like I've been talking most of this time. It's just, in the last eight months, this is just something I, I have sensed that I've become just more passionate about. Yes, like biblical literacy in the sense of helping kids open up their scripture, open up the Bible, but also the like giving them the tools to be able to, to do it properly. So let's talk about that. You know, what, what are some things that you've been doing uh, that you've seen, you know, be helpful? Well, number one is you have to model the behavior you want to see. And so how we teach the Bible, we should be teaching the Bible how we want students to study the Bible. Mm-hmm. And, and so this past year for us, with all of the uncertainty of everything else going on, we've spent our entire high school curriculum in one book of the Bible this year, yeah. and that's been Ephesians. We started it in September, and we just finished it uh, here a week ago, and that's verse by verse, walking through Scripture together, showing students and asking the questions we want them to get good at asking. And simply, this is what we would ask. Most times we would gather and look at the Scripture. We'd ask, first we'd say, let's rewrite this. How would we summarize what's being said here yeah. in our own words? Then we say, what does this say about God? First, Let's not get to any other questions. What does this say about God? Next, how does this point to Jesus? Let's not read Jesus into the text where he may not be, Mm -hmm. but how does this point? What what does this make us think about Christ if it does? And then lastly, is there something I should do as a response? What should my response to this text be? And, and then prayer. And, and, and by doing it in that order, we're starting with God, looking to Christ, and then getting to the response. Is the response for me to, to repent, to turn from my sin? Is the response for me to go and proclaim this good news? Is the response for me to go learn more because I'm, I'm confused? Um, all of a sudden, I'm taking God's word and interacting with it in just three simple questions without necessarily doing what we just said to try to get away from, which is reading ourselves into the text, ignoring context, those types of things. So you're telling me that it's possible that there are certain aspects of the Bible that may not actually have practical application design? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I think I think the like flip, o- flip open the Bible and point and be like, okay, that's my verse for the day. <laughs> that's a... It's very dangerous. Let, let me ask this. How are how was that series for your kids? How'd they take it? How'd it go? So uh, we had some great conversations. And the funny thing that ended up happening is because we had so many good conversations, 
we ended up doing a preaching series through the book of Ephesians in our main service. Mm. So the, the students became the part of the test group for some of the sermons that were just preached here in January and February. Uh, I, I would say a lot of the conversations, it was just so good to not skip around and to say, hey, we're going to go through verse by verse. We're not going to hide anything. We're going to engage in everything. And now Ephesians is a pretty simple letter to do that with because the gospel is clear in those first two chapters. And then the final chapters are a lot of the practical Yeah, living. words like predestination. Yeah, yeah. pretty simple. Yeah, pretty we, simple. we spent a lot of time in number one, <laughs> chapter one. But um, I think that what it's shown students how to do is that they can do this too. Our conversations were, were really good because we weren't doing yes. anything that was... Like that Jeremy can do only in his alone time with God because he's super holy and righteous and has all these books he reads. No, yeah, it's not that at all. Yeah, I uh, I always tell, here's Joel's five successful tips for reading the Bible. <laughs> open it. Picking it up. Oh, pick open it, up. it. Yeah. Read it. Highlight, underline, and ask questions. Highlight or underline and ask yeah. questions. I, I and so I've you know I'm going to seminary. You've been to seminary. I'm going to seminary. Everything that I understand and know about Scripture. Everything that I have had to learn over the years, everything that, uh, you know, I've asked a lot of questions, I've had a lot of great conversations, I have had to sit down myself and talk through, <laughs> and talk through with other people and, and navigate through this. Um, I've, I've done that by doing those five things, mm -hmm. and it started there. And I, you know, what's interesting is I, I had a kid we, uh, I mentioned or we're doing the Bible study coaching. If you haven't, I, I mentioned that in the COVID episode. The Bible study coaching is like simply just, just like an SAT or an ACT tutor or like a, a, a coach. We sit down, I, I sit down one-on-one -on -one with the kid and we go through a passage and we unpack it together. And I had a kid who at the beginning of it was like, that's a Bible. That's all he knew. I said, what do you know about the Bible? And, <laughs> and he said, did you have faith? Like, he just found the, sure. like, most Christian word he can find, and he just said faith. So I was like, you know, what do you like to do? And he's like, I like to work on cars. Okay, I was like, all right, so this is the equivalent of you going, that's a car, right? And so, so I think what we need to do is we need to walk through, um, you know, open up the hood and figure out where does the oil go? How do I, it, well, where does the oil go? Where are the spark plugs? Where's the window washer? You know, where's the fuel tank? And so then, then you can see the, begin to see the frame. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you can begin, and so the only way that you can start to actually successfully work on the car is if you understand it better. And so where that kid is now, in terms, like he, uh, I had him teach me uh, a couple weeks ago and he did a great job. Like it was just like he was picking up things. I'm mm -hmm. just like, dude, you were like, got that really yeah. fast. You're understanding these things. And so that's one practical thing we've done. It's just been walking kids through Scripture because, you know, what we have an opportunity to do in our youth ministries is this. Is I think so often kids rely on us to teach them what it is. Have we ever thought about giving kids the opportunity to teach us uh, from scripture, not to say it's just like, oh, here's a really good, cool opportunity for a kid to teach, but it's to give them the chance to teach in such a way uh, that they can grow from that experience. And so think about our youth groups as a sparring uh, ring. Mm. So if you're a boxing fan, I'm a big boxing fan. So what they do, whether MMA or, or boxing, is they, they have sparring matches. They get in the ring and they work on their stamina and they work on their technique and they work on their footwork. And that's the place to do it because if they don't do those things before yeah. they get They'll into be the back. boxing ring, they will get knocked out. Yeah. And so youth ministries 
are, I'm sorry, my tone is strong today. I'm just fired up. Youth ministries are a great sparring ring. They're the, mm. they're the place that we should give kids more and more opportunities to teach. And like I had, I had this, uh, I had these uh, yesterday, I had these uh, middle school kids at two eighth graders, three eighth graders and a sixth grader and them broke up and they taught us on the various um, uh, parable of the lost sheep coin mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and, and the two sons. And they, and I had one kid get up there and he just, he just started talking about, you know, well, the lost coin is the word of God. And I was like, all right, let's pause for a second. Do you see the word of God at all in this passage is like no it's like okay so let's stay within the context and so that is an opportunity for that kid to like learn and go through that mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's what we need to give to our kids more and more not only do we open up more conversations in terms of the Bible but we need to like walk them through stuff but is there a chance for us to give them an opportunity to teach so that we can or you know share with us what they are learning from this so that we can have those moments where we go okay you're really good on this but you know your idea about a god here I don't know if it's as accurate right so mm-hmm. if I had mm-hmm. if I had pastor Brandon uh, in my youth group, and he told me Jesus was a racist, uh, and he, you know, taught on the fact that he needed repented. Uh, we would look at other scriptures and try to say, okay, so that's an idea, that's a thought. So let's work it through this. Do you feel like, not feel? Do you see whether or not that might be a contradiction or a problem? And so obviously, the kids at that point going to have to have a conversation about whether or not they're going to you know, believe what the Bible says about particular things, mm-hmm. or if they're just going, or they're just going to either redefine it or outright, outright reject it. So, I mean, those are, that's just what I feel like we need to do more and more is give kids more and more opportunities to teach to some degree uh, in a safe environment, uh, but also continue to give them chances to engage in such a way that we can give them the tools that they need in the sparring uh, ring before they go into the boxing ring. Yeah, and, and some of those tools, I, I think it was both you and I last year were on an apologetics kick, just this idea of how, how do we get kids to defend their faith? And I think through that process, I've landed on, oh man, th- they need more basic even than, than that. And so what we've done after you and I read through some of how not to read the Bible, uh, I've been doing that with a group of four or five high school guys yeah. and one college guy with us. And it's been giving them tools to ask the right questions uh, and to not just immediately say, oh, that's in the Bible. Uh, yeah, there's some weird, crazy stuff in the Bible. How do we understand those things? And and to not just be thrown completely, um, if we don't have a framework by which to approach Scripture and interpret it that is uh, true to the Word, then we're going to be caught in some pretty tough places and someone's going to pull a random verse out of nowhere and go, what do you say about this? Uh, I'm not saying we have to go over every single Bible verse from beginning to end with students, but I think once we start to teach them the how-to, that my favorite thing about that group is one of the guys in that group uh, isn't a believer. He's he's coming along. He's reading his Bible. He's subscribed to the church YouTube channel. He's watching the live stream worships. He's comment like he's engaging mm-hmm. with God's word. And it's interesting because two months ago, I remember his answers during Bible study, and they were Jesus, uh, faith. Right. Is that Jesus again? Yeah. Um, and now he, you can just hear and see him engaging God's word differently as we've been walking through. Oh, okay. Last time we met, we walked through textual criticism and the manuscripts that are evidence for the historical reliability of scripture mm-hmm. so that they have a foundation to say, oh, you, you can't just look at the Bible and say, 
I'll throw it all out. It doesn't mean anything. Well, okay, then throw out the rest of human history. Yeah, right. Um, and here's why. And, and so giving them some of those tools, it's not just about apologetics, but so that when they meet adversity, they're able to press back into God's word. They're not thrown by every wind of doctrine to say, okay, yeah, I'll believe that now. Oh, now I'll believe that. I mean, that would be exhausting if every time something popped up, I had to believe that new thing. And that's what's happening to our students right now who are in the middle of this roller coaster. So studying books together, small group study, your, your points of letting students teach, I think is huge. It gets back to our previous podcast of talking about pastoring the pastors and leading leaders. We need to let students lead too. And I think that's a, that's a huge point in, in helping them engage God's word for sure. Yeah. I, I want to apologize if my tone was too strong. I just get fired up about this and because this is just so important mm -hmm. for where we are in, in our time and culture and, and what we can try to help these kids do and understand. Cause I, yeah, because there's a lot of stuff coming their way, and we want them to not be, you know, blown and tossed by every uh, every wind of false doctrine, and we mm -hmm. want to help them discern those things. So, um, Jeremy, do you feel like we're we're that that's good on time? You feel like we did that? I feel like we're we doing good. Do we have more? I I mean, I could keep going all day. If uh, we, okay, if you're <laughs> right. So that means we should probably wrap up. Um, so we just want to say thank you. I hope this episode gave you something to think about. You know, I think it's so important for us as youth pastors to not only know what our stuff is, but, you know, how to teach that to kids and, and, and give them those tools uh, as well. And so uh, thank you so much for tuning in today. Our next episode is going to be on, what did we say, Jeremy? We're going to, how we prepare students for post high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we're coming up on graduation season, which is always the like most reflective time for me uh, in our ministry as we watch these seniors go. And I mm -hmm. think this this episode is a, is kind of a testament to that too. It's just like, do these kids know their scripture mm -hmm. and how to read it? Are they gonna do it on their own when they get mm -hmm. to college and uh, so on and so forth. So uh, yeah, so thank you for tuning in today. Uh, we hope this was helpful. If you have any questions or comments, uh, please email us at disciplemakingym at gmail.com. So thank you so much for tuning in today. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Disciple Making Youth Ministry Podcast. We sure do hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe wherever it is you consume your podcast. We hope you have been encouraged by what you have heard and you're ready to jump into the hard work of disciple making. Catch you on the next one.